It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's TV industry focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV awards editor. Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's episode, we'll be talking about some pickups, the run promo, and why Libby and I choose to watch garbage television. <laughs> yeah, basically, this is a very judgmental episode, which I just ask a lot of questions about my colleagues. About our life spend, choices. About how they spend their time. This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Guys, there were a bunch of renewals over the course of the week. Uh, we had Stranger Things Season 4. Well, technically we knew, we knew that, but yeah. there was that promo that they, sh- they showed. Uh, Sex Education Season 3, Avenue 5 Season 2, Godfather of Harlem Season 2. What are you most excited about? What were you thinking as all these things were coming through? I mean... I was surprised that Godfather of Harlem, well, I thought it was a limited series. So when it got a season two, I was just like, wow, that actually epics is somehow finding success that I never dreamed that they could have. So that was, I guess, a thing. Um, sex education is is exciting. That's nice to see. Um, I know that there's been, uh, like, it's gotten a lot of critical adoration. We have no idea how many people are watching it. I think Netflix said something about the first season being pretty well viewed when they did one of their early kind of ratings dumps, but it hasn't been able to get any awards traction yet, which has uh, been a little frustrating for a lot of the fans. So it's nice to see Netflix kind of stick behind it and keep making more. And then Avenue 5 is is Avenue 5. It was the hotly anticipated new Armando Iannucci series. Uh, buzz seems to be pretty low. Ratings have been, uh, well, the only ratings we know really are, are linear and those are dropping, but that's pretty normal. Um, so it's hard to say how well it's actually performing and whether or not it has any great awards potential for HBO. But uh, like Libby noted, it's uh, it's season two time. Got to got to pump out those season twos. Oh, yeah. Season twos are very popular, mostly because you've made the investment on a season one and you may as well try and recoup it on a second season. Uh, I will say for Godfather of Harlem, I was a little surprised by that, but also I understand that there is a very large sect of television that we, let's just say, don't appreciate or don't understand as much. At least I don't. Like, I am oblivious to how popular power is um, amongst people. And, And there is definitely a market for these shows that center primarily around African American characters. I have legitimately been on the train or or been out and about and heard people talking about Godfather of Harlem, which is more than I can say for a lot of shows that I'm obsessed with. So I think that's another one of those things where Epics doesn't need to be telling us their ratings, but also... I mean, Power is successful enough that it has all these spinoffs that are... Oh, going- no, Power is one of the... So what I'm I'm hearing just from the season two pickup is that Godfather of Harlem does have an audience and they want to continue playing to that audience. And I don't blame them. Um, they have, they must be looking at stars and seeing how popular power and the upcoming power sequels. So spin-offs. many sequels. So many. 
must be and and see that market that that admittedly we can sometimes have a blind eye to all right guys let's move on to the next <laughs> clicker topic was it last week that the run promo dropped yes time to talk about run let's talk about run looks great all right looks to be the next podcast fave Definitely. show that we talk about every episode uh so much so that we are talking about it after seeing 90 seconds of i believe that's what it was of of footage um i love it it's my favorite show of the year <laughs> um run is i should explain i was about to say sight unseen but you saw 90 seconds so yeah that's yeah. fine we've seen 90 seconds we feel pretty good about it we know that it's created by vicky jones uh, and executive produced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Right. We know that it stars Merritt Weaver and Domhnall Gleeson, which, I mean, come I'm, on. Yeah. Podcast fave, Merritt Weaver. <laughs> yeah, and I hope future podcast fave, Domhnall Gleeson, because yes. that guy's fun and great. And he made About Time, which is a very important film that everybody should watch. So, mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, it looks, I mean, it's, this is stepping into the, the I think it's it's a half hour looks like a comedy thriller kind of vibe Um, but it's stepping into that kind of half hour april time slot uh that hbo likes to use for emmy qualifiers so uh we know people love Merritt weaver so that's a good start uh domnell's definitely been on the rise and has a lot of respect within the community obviously having phoebe phoebe waller bridge's name on anything this soon after fleabag is a big plus yep um so plus she's showing up in a guest capacity correct yep uh, always, recurring. always enticing. Um, so yeah, no, this feels like definitely one of the one of those kind of annoying um, titled shows. Like oh, just calling it Run yeah. makes it uh, not exactly SEO friendly no. or that easy to reference. You almost have to go like HBO's Run, right? HBO's Run, or you know the the Run with Merritt Weaver, or the Merritt Weaver Show with the I think it's called Running or something. Um, but otherwise, hunt. Very excited for this. Hunt, hunt. <laughs> the hunt, hunters, hunters, hunt, hunting. That hunting show. Hunting. I uh, did the the Google the SEO on that for for its title was like hunt hunters Nazi hunters Nazi hunting Nazis Nazi <laughs> Nazi like just Nazi all over the, like that's the word uh, most associated with that show. Uh, speaking of which, hunters does debut this week. Ben. Yes. Yes, it's fine. <laughs> Hunters, but your review just went up. I don't know if you want, know. yeah, I don't know if you want to if you want to speak on that. I'm sorry. Hunters is one of those <laughs> I I really don't like being the person who's like I don't want to talk about a show until I've seen all of it. You can make you can have a lot of impressions and get a good understanding of what a show is from uh, very limited access. Usually, if they give you just the pilot, that can be a problem. But if they're anyway, this Hunters. First and foremost, the first episode is 90 minutes long. So that is the original sin that it has to overcome above all other problems. And it does? Well, that's the problem. So I've seen the the pilot of Hunters, and um, it gets to where it's going by the end. And by the end, I was pretty much on board, but I've yet to watch the rest of my screeners because I've watched 90 minutes of Hunters, and... It took a lot of time setting the table, and now I feel like I've seen a film. <laughs> and so, it was a, it was a pretty interesting film. It was uh, it was an interesting thought experiment, but also it hasn't gotten me to the place. It was sort of a self contained enough story 
um, a prequel, if you will, that I haven't been like, all right, episode two. Um, yeah. It's like recommitting to the show all over again. You thought you did right. when you started the first one, but right. there's just so much table setting. And if you watched the trailer for the show, you actually get essentially all of the things that happen in the first episode in that trailer, aside from the stuff that's, you know, too violent or horrific to put in a trailer. First five minutes. Yep. Um, but but that's, I think that's one of the, the issues that I have with the show is that it did oftentimes feel like a lot of it could have been condensed and it is trying to build out a lot of different elements. There are, there's the, there's the story set in 1977 that's kind of based on, it says it's inspired by true events, uh, but those true events are basically that there was a group in the 70s who through the courts tried to find the Nazis from the war who were somehow, had somehow, quote unquote, made their way into America. Um, and they were using legislation that had passed through Congress to deport them, basically, like send them out, like get rid of them. Um, they weren't actually hunting them with guns and knives and masks and disguises and uh, big long cons. And there wasn't a grand Nazi conspiracy, you know, that, that the people who'd made it to America were, were conducting in order to overthrow the government. Um, and all of these things are happening in the show because the show is both this kind of silly action thriller where it wants you to be able to watch these people hunting Nazis, which we all have a renewed hatred for at the moment, uh, and thus enjoy watching them get their comeuppance. Uh, and then at the same time, it lives in... Um, flashbacks probably a third of the time to the Holocaust itself, which are very harrowing uh, scenes of both uh, torture and persecution, as you would imagine, and that those two vibes don't necessarily mesh that easily. So it's a lot to take in. It's a show where if you are on board, if you get through that pilot, and because this is being released on Amazon, it's all going to be available, and you just let it play through... If you can stomach it, you're probably going to have, or more than stomach it, if you can, if you find a value in a lot of the events that take place, then you're going to probably enjoy the show because it's very, it's it's well made, it's well acted, Al Pacino's great, um, the design is great, the production aesthetic is wonderful, um, the, the direction is solid, uh, but it, it, it also can be, the more you think about it, it feels, the more troubling it gets. And because it doesn't actually carry a lot of modern day relevance like it's not trying to make a point about the resurgence of nazis in our current america to me that loses a lot of the value of the show itself so i kind of drifted away from it by the end of i think six episodes they gave us five episodes they gave us so um that was a lot about hunters it's a show that exists <laughs> you, but I you think one know that's... what you're getting into if you watch it both of you over the weekend, mm -hmm. obviously, we all work in television and mm -hmm. film. We all have uh, job responsibilities. Yes. And uh, a lot of those entail watching a lot of screeners, watching a lot of TV, staying current with television, which, uh, as Leo pointed out before the podcast started, I've fallen behind on The Outsider now. I'm an episode back. He's an episode of Head, so we've oh, switched well, roles. I can't wait to tell um, you. <laughs> spoil The Outsider for you. Wait till you see this guy's face. <laughs> If they showed his face, he would have walked in here just 
just like singing and screaming. Where's the and, video? Yeah, where's my outsider's video? Um, but no, so we have those responsibilities. And yet uh, I discovered that even though there's quite a few great, highly anticipated, at least, televisions, television shows out there that we could have watched, the two of you made <laughs> other choices. And I want to start with Leo because okay. we heard his side a little bit earlier. But you watched a Netflix reality show called... Love is Blind. Great. Now, now, granted, I was at Sequoia National Park for the majority of the weekend enjoying the, the outdoors. I saw oh, the okay. photos. They were so cute. <laughs> you're going to say you were at the park and you watched, watched Love is Blind. <laughs> but when, 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 when I got home, uh, we were both kind of still on, a little under the weather. And so we just popped down on the couch and we watched five straight hours of this. I don't think it's a not Netflix original. It's not a Netflix original uh, show. Uh, I think it was produced by someone back in 2018, which tells you. Wow. Something, a little something about it. The fact that it took this long to get to air. But essentially the premise of the show is 24 strangers, 12 men and 12 women, a very heteronormative reality show are put in two different pods, so to speak, where they can't interact with one another aside from going into these private rooms where they're separated by a glowy wall where they can have conversations. <laughs> so as I understand it, glowy. like... Uh... Like prison visits. Like prison visits, but right. without without being able to see the other person. Glowy walls. The, the wall. It's a glowy wall. Focus, it's a, Ben. It's a I can't. It's a glowing blue wall. That's what it is. I love whoever made this decision. <laughs> this is the best thing I've heard about the reality show so far. And they have uh, they have ten days, I think, in this in this section to try to find love, and someone has to propose to the other. And then if they do that, they are set up to have a wedding in four weeks' time. God help us. Hold on. What's the incentive for them to actually propose? Like, do you get money or something? You like, get. Couldn't you just say, "Well, you I, get you get a honey." Uh, like they give you a, you go to a vacation spot after you get proposed to. Then wait, you can't get a honeymoon before you get married. They I need to sign shit. You get a pre, you get a pre honeymoon. Then you get the. They guess they pay for your marriage and they film your marriage. I think I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think that you get a lot, which is what makes the people that they have on this pretty. Yikes. It's not like you're competing for a million dollars. There's not there's not something crazy at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I was trying to understand kind of the stakes of the of stakes the are love. Show. The yeah. stakes are these the are people are just the stakes are these love. people. These are people They're who desperate have for love. who have struggled in relationships past uh, and really want to find their soulmate and want to try this thought experiment, which is can you find love based solely on someone's voice and personality and conversation? You know, I would bet some people can, but I have a feeling that these people (laughs) on this particular show are not particularly adept at at this challenge. Hold on. Like, okay, so you've watched five hours of this now. Yes. Um, You said before we started that after the five hours, the next thing that's coming is the wedding's episode like when they get married later on what happens in the first five ep- like what are the episodes what do the episodes look like is it just the episodes are are, are essentially how do they structure these th- if there's no here's the thing these are really poorly produced and poorly edited and say. poorly paced they don't really give you a lot of info up front uh about what the rules are how often can you talk to somebody if you want to it seems like you can only talk to them once a day but that's also not clear how do you initiate the conversations if you can't see them do you can you message them no you just walk into a room and there's like hello is someone you don't on? get to like <laughs> someone, after you talk is, it, is, is someone in the room, in the room? <laughs> yeah. so hold on if i want to talk to well i couldn't talk to leo because this is heteronormative if i want to talk to libby on the other side of the i'm sure class, you have to go to talk to a producer and be like i'd like to have another conversation okay. with libby and they're like okay go to pod two 
Oh, and then Libby, yeah. you go to pod two. You take a number. What if the producers see that maybe this is a producer's problem where they should have been like, hold on. Mixing it up. Yeah, you're not. I know, I know you want to talk to Libby, but but she doesn't want to talk to you. So you go talk to Anne. Go Ann. talk to Anne. There was a little research, and apparently, if someone wanted to talk to someone and the other person did not want to reciprocate, that was the end of they wouldn't make that happen. They didn't force kind They didn't of force kind of nice. They didn't force only people who wanted to talk to each other talk to each other again this lowers the dramatic stakes for the viewer it makes sense for the premise of the show as flawed as it already is yeah but yeah i'm still as a viewer what what's what's interesting to you as you keep going i'm not sure i think i think (laughs) (laughs) i think i get this i think the real i think the real answer is these people are on another level in terms of their desperation and so i think i just want to see if any one of them is going to actually go through with this incredibly insane premise. So the kind of... And marry someone over the course of essentially a month. So the enticement itself, both in the way you talk about these people and what you just said about why, seems to be just you want to study them. You're like, I'm curious about... Yes. Like how these people exist. Yeah, like the, the very basic concept of reality TV where you're just looking out at other people and being like, wow, these are real people I didn't know existed in the world. Let's see how they react to things. Yes. And this got you through five hours. And now are you going to watch the weddings? I'm going to watch this week for sure. (laughs) All right, Leo. Is it garbage? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think we've established that it's very badly made. It is. I have a lot of issues with like the camera work. They do do this very weird close-up camera when people are, are going to propose to each other where the, it's not flattering for anybody the way it's shot. Then they do this weird side profile shot when they're being interviewed where their faces are like half out of focus. There's a lot of issues with the production. Um, I will be finishing the show. I will be spending five hours of my life over the course of the next two weeks watching the rest of the show. How much of your decision to watch this was the fact that it was on Netflix and just readily available when you just logged on to Netflix? Like, how did you decide? Did you seek it out? Did you just stumble on it? Like, how did it start? Um, If I'm being perfectly honest, my wife, Abby, is the one who said, I saw this insane thing. We need to watch it. <laughs> Throwing her under the bus. <laughs> we'll have Abby on next week to talk about. <laughs> oh, that's why he's driving like that. Uh, now we're going to turn it uh, to the other side of the table. Libby, you made a similar decision. Uh, I don't, I already forgot the name of your show. What did you watch? Well, see, that was not this weekend. When was so it? This weekend I wasn't feeling well. And this weekend I just started rewatching oh, 30 Rock. Um, which is great show. still problematic. Uh, sure. Problematic, but a great show. <laughs> I'm up to like <laughs> season five now. Uh, just like four day weekend. Just just really put my mind to it and uh, wasted my life. Um, but it's good. And it, it's it's interesting. And it is um, rewatching old comedies is my way of anesthetizing myself to the world. I, you have to understand, like it was a very difficult weekend and Valentine's Day, my wife and I went and saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire in the, in uh, theaters. The second time I've seen it, second time I've audibly sobbed after the movie. Um, it was very emotionally wrecking for me. So then it was like, oh, I can't, I can't watch people uh, kill Nazis for uh, the weekend. So instead I went to 30 Rock. It's very interesting to revisit it because there are these little mentions of Donald Trump or there'll be these little uh, Tufer and Tracy will talk about how now that Barack Obama is president, it's it's 
more acceptable for people to be racist, like openly racist again. And it's um, sad. It's sad because it's very weirdly dated. Um, but still, I don't think there's another show out there that I laugh as long and as hard and as audibly at. That being said, I am famous for watching terrible television. Um, famous for watching terrible television? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I will set aside all of the great shows that I have. Admittedly, like, last week I was like, you know what's a great show? Enlightened is a great show. And a show that I think that I've only watched once, uh, starring Laura Dern, um, kind of re-kickstarted the Laura dern Assance like, several years before everyone got on board with Big Little Lies. Um, but it was too much. Like, I couldn't even make it through the pilot. I was like, oh, God, this is too intense. So I, 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 um, I find myself watching these reality shows. And Netflix is actually very troubling because it's so easy to watch them. Because, especially if you have screeners, you're watching them all at once. So over the last weeks, when everyone else in the world on Twitter... <laughs> was watching The Circle, I was like, okay, I'll watch this reality show on Netflix called The Circle. And what that is, and the reason I watch The Circle is because what it is, it's a bunch of young people set up in these single apartments. And the only way they can interact with each other is through- A glowy wall? No, social media. Like they're allowed to put like a picture up or another picture up, they can post status messages, but they never talk in person. They never... Um, no video. No video. It's all voice chat. It's all like text-based chat. And the thing is, no one ever is able to like leave their apartment. No one sees anyone else. Like they are isolated. They can't talk to the outside world. They don't have television. They don't have anything. So if they're not interacting with someone through this social network, which is still limited, they're like reading books or doing exercise, but they're like completely isolated. So on one level, the circle could be like this very elaborate social commentary on how being connected all the time has really isolated us all in our own little pods. It's a very lonely experience, but instead they're just, um, showing a bunch of people trying to pretend to be other people and pretend to be influencers or actually be influencers. Who's catfish? Who's not catfish? Um, it's horrible and amazing at the same time. Ben, you look so confused. I don't understand the premise of the show. They're Are they trying to find true love or win a million dollars? They're trying to be the influencer. They're trying to get up on top. So at every... But the, the platform they're working on... The social media platform, the only thing they can use, it only goes to the other people on the show? Mm -hmm. How many people are there? Uh, at any time, there are eight. How do they become an influencer of eight people? They vote. Seven people. They, they rank each other. They rank? They rank each <laughs> oh, other. Shit. And well, then the top two, somewhere. the top two become the influencers for that week. And they have to choose who to block. What One player to block. I got to watch this show. If you're blocked, <laughs> see, if you're blocked, you're kicked off the show. Oh. But the thing is, I have just put my finger up. The thing is, once someone leaves, someone new joins. Okay. Up into a point, and then the show ends. 
How long is the show? Um, how many episodes is it? God, I don't remember. I watched it all at once. And the the curious thing is that um is the release pattern that Netflix went into on this show, which is they released four episodes the first week on January 1st, and then four episodes the next week, and then four episodes the week after that. Which is not too dissimilar to what they are doing with uh, Love is Blind, where they did five the first week, four the next week, and they're just doing one, the finale, which I assume will be supersized the final Almost week. certainly. So what are the, are the episodes just constructed like the first few are basically an introduction to the characters, mm-hmm. but then what do they do? Like, what are the, what are those sections where it's like a challenge or, uh, um, they'll sometimes play, let's see what if I can find, um, they'll do, they had a, like a trivia night where they split up into teams and like, there would be a question asked by the circle, which is like the entity, mm. the producers. Mm. And uh, whichever team won, they got video messages from their family. They're always trying to suss out who might, who's real and who's not real. They're always trying to figure out who might be a catfish because there are definitely catfishes in the game. What, like, how? Like, what? Is, it like is it like a, a 55-year-old mom from Iowa? Basically. Is she one of the contestants? I mean, uh, not specifically, but basically it's the same principle. So they come on the show with fake photos. Is there any Turing machine like that? (laughs) So it's this weird, I I don't know, it's addictive and it should, they're hour episodes. It should definitely be half hour episodes. episodes? Of course they are. They're reality shows. Are yours an hour episode? Oh, yeah. Yep. Like painfully so. Yeah. Like I want to go in there with a scalpel and be like, I can make these 21 minute episodes. When I get down to the end, <laughs> and this is a whole other episode. There is there is a whole episode in how most reality shows have lost all of their mojo by their final few episodes revealing who wins. Except for maybe like Survivor, Amazing Race. How essential, and I, I'm... I mean, I'm, this is steering more in toward kind of the, the Netflix strategy of it all. But how essential is it to you that they released more than that? They released as many episodes as they did in blocks like they do. Like, would you do you think if they'd only released an episode a week Absolutely that you not. would have stuck with it? Absolutely not. But and I you, think that's okay. what's so brilliant about it is that releasing four at a time is the best of both is both binging and weekly. They're, they're, it's the best of both worlds, especially in a in a show that is made to be binged. Right. Um, so I think I think the release pattern is actually brilliant on what they've done. And, well, uh, and they seem more to be, people should. They seem to be replicating one of the old, like, kind of cable successes where I remember being in, in college, uh, in high school, whatever, like, anytime MTV would air kind of a marathon of one of their reality shows, people would stop everything yep. and get, like, they would... Oh, choose God. to stop everything and invest their time watching that whole marathon or yep. they would get so caught up accidentally you know clicking into it that they couldn't break free and because netflix has that model to themselves now that they release their own content in a new way like that is absolutely how they should do it to reward customers who uh who would ever consider clicking on something like this so yeah yeah and i mean i remember like last summer i watched most of Love Island when CBS debuted on on there because I wanted to understand their the technique. Like I wanted to know they're releasing this once a day for no five days a week in order to try to create like an event 
but also to create a ton of content that you could catch up using CBS All Access. So like you could binge it on CBS All Access if you wanted to, even though there were a lot of live incentives to watching the show, which was another just coupling up on an island just like the I think it version. is strange that like re reality TV, aside from like, you know, like Great British Bake Off and things like that, uh, that those things don't really, haven't dominated the, uh, the streaming space in a weird way. They should, because I think it actually, it's the perfect content for that oh, model. Because yeah. there's really like, if you're watching like some heady dramas, binging those is actually a detriment to the thing you're, you're watching because it doesn't give you time to like reflect on what we've talked about this before. Like the weekly rollout of, of show th that kind of show is better. Let you live with it. Ask questions. Let you think about what does this face look like? You know? Um, so true. But like the, the, the sort of like the emptier, just sort of like contest based shows should be like, Oh, I want to, I want to see who wins. Essentially it's no different from watching sport and just being like, Oh, you can, you can sort of tune in at, and out of a game. Like I'm going to go to the kitchen right now. I'm going to, Oh, but who won the, not the bears. You know? <laughs> wow, that was so pointed, Jets fan. Oh boy. Yeah, we're gonna have some words about that off off air, but it's interesting that you'd make that that parallel if only because Love is Blind has no winners. Like there's just people who just make bad decisions. Time out. I think I think there's two couples on Love is Blind that are going to get married and stay ma stay married because they're crazy. They're just crazy enough to stay married. I feel a little better about understanding uh the addictions of of reality TV over something great. The like world Dev. is so bad, Ben, and I my know. brain is so full. Yeah, and there are so many Nazis. There's a lot of Nazis. Too many. Once my head cold is gone, though, I'm going to invest in devs. Not that anyone asked, <laughs> but I don't have a show on Quibi yet. Thanks, Thanks. Libby. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So please leave a review if it's five stars uh, only. Only leave five-star reviews. Do not leave anything else. Uh, this is Ben, Libby, and Leo reminding you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.